So we are going to get into the Word of God and continue with the theme that he has been dealing with. You remember that our theme for the month is, for the year, 2019 is building. Amen. Now, last week, God was talking, well, last week, uh, Bishop was talking about how to build a remarkable life. And we are going to be continuing on that topic, how to build a remarkable life. We already know that Bishop has articulately, you know, communicated and taught us and inspired us about God as a builder, that our God is not a God of shortcuts. God is a constructor. God is a creator. He creates beautiful things, and he takes time to create them. We have learned that God is our builder. If something is not there, God will construct it. It is not about you to give up. If something that you needs to happen in your life, that there is no model, even a model for it, and an example that you can follow, you must know that God is going to make you the model when he creates that, that people can learn from you, that there is a person who came from nowhere with this specific thing, but God was on his side, and God was creating that. The same way God gives you a dream. He gives you a dream of something that you have never achieved. But God crafts your life in such a way that you can do the things that he has purposed in your life. So God's way of operating, God's modest operandi is that God creates. And how God works is that God will always be building things. We have learned that in life, if we need anything of significance, whether it's a business, whether it's a family, whether it's relationships, whether it's marriage, we must have the ability to build. We must say, we are going to build this. We are not going to give up on it. Uh, we are not going to say negative things about it. It's like if you are born in a family where there's been challenges, and all of us have families that have challenges. I've yet to see a church, a family without challenges. Amen. Ow. God gives you the ability to be there to work with him to create a healthy family. Amen. If you want to have success, we have learned that don't come with a quick fix mentality. The microwave of saying, you know, this thing will happen like that. It is not always things happen like that. Amen. So we must have that mindset to build. Now let's continue with our topic this morning that Bishop introduced last week, how to build a remarkable life. We will deal with the part two part of it. We have said the word remarkable, it is the word exceptional something unusual or something outstanding, something uncommon, which means something that is extraordinary, something that is worthy of notice, something that is respectable, it that draws your attention, something that is unusual, as we have said, something that is uncommon. So when we read the Bible, we see God meeting ordinary people, turning them into exceptional and remarkable people. We see there's people in the Bible who become icons that inspire us, these people, when we read about them in their lives, we see they had impact. They made a big sacrifice with their life, but also made a big contribution in society. And we, we, we've learned about both men and women who have lived remarkable lives. Think about Deborah. Think about Esther. Think about Job. Think about Nehemiah. Think about Paul. And all of them, some were young, some were old, some were male, some were female, to show you that God is not a sexist. God deals with everybody the way he has called them and ordained them. So we know that all of us have an opportunity to have a remarkable life. 
It is our former president, the late Nelson Mandela, who said, there is no passion to be found playing small in settling for a life that, less, that is less than you are capable of living. You see, the difference between you becoming a better person is understanding what is your potential. Your potential can take you from where you are, where you have settled, where you have created invisible and visible ceilings for yourself. Your wealth can change. Your spirituality can change. The capacity of your gift can change depending on how small or how big you are thinking about your life. You can't limit yourself on the basis of the opinions of others. I was talking with the ushers yesterday and I was reading something to them. Someone says, if you depend on people's opinion in being what God wants you to be, it's like driving through life having a handbrake on. You go nowhere. You go jacking and jacking instead of making progress. The very people who criticize you want what you have. Envy where you are going. Some of them have no vision, have no dream. You are, you, are, you are actually challenging them. Don't allow anybody to stifle what you are. You can be remarkable. You are a child of God. You serve a remarkable God. When God created you, created you as a wonder. So there is a life that you are capable of living. That is a blessed life. Not a frustrated life. Not an underachieving life. We all struggle, but we are not going to die in our struggle. If we know what we are capable of as children of God. We are capable of praying. We are capable of using our faith. We are capable of learning from others who have made it in life. We are not as weak as we think. Oh, there is God in the inside of us. There is the word of God that inspires us. Oh, there is life and hope for the living. Just because you are awake this morning. Oh, you, you, you have hope. There are prospects that your life can be a good life. They may be laughing at you today. Because they are bored. They have nothing to do. There's people who are picking on you. Because they are bored. But as they are picking on you, they don't know the plans you have in secret. They don't know the prayers you are praying in secret. They don't know the counseling you are receiving in secret. We have read that if you want to be a remarkable person, you must take the road that is less traveled. You must not flow with the majority. You must be willing to make uncommon decisions. We have read in Matthew 7, verse 13 and 14, when the Bible says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go by it. Because narrow and difficult is the way that leads to life, and there are few who find it. May you be amongst the few who make quality decisions. Quality decisions that you're not going to be a compromiser. Quality decisions that you're going to live a disciplined life. You're not a victim as you think. 
you have the power of choice. You have choice to be frustrated. You have choice to be wounded when others don't love you. Sometimes we are looking for love from dysfunctional people. You are knocking at the wrong door when you are supposed to be knocking at the door of God. God says, seek me, you will find me. You are trying to converse people who are preoccupied with their failures, with their doubts about life. They are preoccupied. They are trying to deal with their stuff and you want to add to their burden. Even though we may have friends, we may have spouses, we may have pastors, we may have civic leaders, they can't take the space of God. There is somewhere where a human being says, I can't help you anymore. And don't blame them. Bernard Kelvin Clive says, don't just do the obvious and the predictable stuff. Be remarkable. We look at the Bible and we have looked at Daniel as an example of a man and a young person who lived a remarkable life. In Daniel 6 verse 3, the Bible says, now Daniel distinguished himself. He didn't say God distinguished him. That's not what the Bible says. We must let God do the things he's supposed to do and we must do the things we are supposed to do. God can't bless you without your participation. Sometimes we project things on God when God has placed us in a space to do the things excellently that he has created us to be. If God gives you a performance car and you park it in the, in the, in the garage and you are always late for, for, for your work because you are Uberizing or using taxi, that's not God's problem. You will be fired with a zeal. The scripture says, now Daniel so distinguished himself amongst the administrators, the satraps, by his exceptional skills, exceptional qualities, that the king planned to set him over the kingdom. This is what was happening. There was a campaign to find exceptional people who will be leaders in this nation. Many people were chosen. The cream of the crop from Israel and from Babylon. When the king of Babylon conquered Babylon, 
He also looked for talent and found talented people. And Meshach, Shadrach, Abednego, and Daniel is one of them. He was part of the team. When he came in Babylon, and these were the opportunities that were there. They were there. The very success you want, somebody wants it. The very healing you want, somebody wants it. The very house that, that is on the market that you are looking for, somebody is going to give an offer. The very husband you want, somebody is praying for that husband. The very wife you want, somebody is praying for that wife. The very degree you want, somebody is praying for that degree. I was reading an article this week, and I'm saying it's tough. One university, local university, in, in, in medicine, received 11,000 applicants, and there's space for 990. You must have a Daniel spirit to be there. But what did Daniel do? What did Daniel do when opportunities were there? He came with a strategy that I'm not just going to be an ordinary person. When there is an ordinary position, I'm going to be extraordinary. People are vying for this opportunity. The Bible says he distinguished himself. He became extraordinary. He became exceptional in his spirituality, in his intellect, in his knowledge, in his wisdom, in his physical outlook. He was a well-rounded, handsome, intelligent, spiritually powerful. He took care of his health. He took care of his mind. He took care of his spirit. He took care of his attitudes. Some of us, our attitudes are self-defeating attitudes. You, you, are, you are your own hater. When you fail, get He distinguished himself, it says, among, among the competitors, the administrators, and the setups. There's people who are gunning for what you're gunning for. You must be remarkable. One unknown writer says, success is not owned. It is rented. And the rent is due every day. You pray to get a job, you must pray to stay in the job. You pray to start a business and it rocks and it happens, you must stay, you must pray, read the word to stay in business. Are you going to But you must know how to It's like in marriage. 
The same way you were working hard to prepare for the party. You must work hard to keep the, the lights of marriage on in your home. All the efforts you did to taste the food, get the right people to help you with plenty, have the right honeymoons, the work has just begun. You must keep that if you want that marriage to be rocking. Success. When you are a successful person, you are a tenant in success. We rent lentole. There's lots of people who want to kick you out out of that success. If you run business and you're not careful, you must manage your risk. There'll be people who will steal from you and take you out of business. No matter what is your age, your background, your sex, your education, your marital status, your capabilities, you can do something incredibly remarkable with your life. Only when you dare yourself to be remarkable. Now, as we look at Daniel, let's look at the remarkable qualities that Daniel had. A, Daniel lived by conviction and not by preference. He refused to compromise to things that were contrary to his convictions. What do we mean that Daniel lived by conviction? We are saying Daniel had strong and deeply held beliefs that are biblical, deeply held biblical principles and values that guided his life, and he was not willing to be deviant from them and to abandon them when he is tested. Whatever is your conviction will be tested. If you tell yourself, my conviction is that I'm a husband of one wife, is not what you have just declared. What you have declared is an announcement. Will you be when that announcement is tested? I mean, umshato gizotola ngomtandasu. When the clock is ticking and people are talking, social commentators, we will see if you will change the strategy or you'll stick to it. When you tell yourself, I will run my business and I will not bribe, I will not torturize, we will see it. When there are roadblocks, when doors are opened by corrupt people, we will see. Whether it was an announcement or it's a conviction. We will see. Ravi Zachariah says, a conviction is not merely an opinion. It is something rooted deeply in the conscience that to change your conviction would be to change the very essence of who you are. 
If you say sex out of marriage is not my thing, you are not going to change it because the day you change it, you have changed the core of your humanity as a child of God. You have gone to the roots of what you are foundationally as a child of God. Ausafani nakala. Ausafani. Something was taken away from you. In the wrong way, something was taken away from you. It's not just an opinion. It is who you are as a child of God. When you say you are a person of integrity, even when you are pressurized, you can't lie. You can't speak a white lie. You can't speak a black lie. You can't speak a little lie. You can't speak an innocent lie. You just can't lie. When you are late, you can't say there is no traffic that is imaginary to you. <laughs> Imagine if you have bought your license. No more so sin is sashis. When you are saved, but it's it's hot. Between now and heaven. You have something that belongs to Satan. Daniel 1.8 reads, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies, not with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Daniel refused to use the strategy of the world. It was not just a matter of food. It is how this food was offered to idols. And it was prepared. It is not just a matter of denying yourself wine. It's about the choice between wine and your mission. Let's stop wasting time about whether is it Christian or what to drink wine. We're not talking about that. There's nothing that makes you a Christian when you drink wine. And there's nothing that makes you not to be a Christian when you don't drink it. Or when you drink it. The issue is what is the mission that God has placed before you? What is the mission? Go and ask Samson. His mission went with him being a Nazarite. Don't touch a dead thing. Don't belong to the dead world. The Bible is very clear. When you read the Bible in Proverbs, wine is people who can deal with frustration. 
Go and read it in Proverbs. People need wine to, 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 to distress. They are happier. They are more assertive. Why need to laugh? The issue is the mission. There are certain things that God speaks to you in private and give you instruction to achieve this. This is my discipline for you. This is my high calling. This is how you speak. This is how you think. This is how you behave. This is how you associate because of the high calling. That's how Daniel purposed. He took a quality decision that with God's help, I will live on the high road. And I will not compromise. That's what he chose. Amen. You see, when you live by conviction, it means you don't change your values and beliefs when you come under a different culture. You see, to, you, you, here you are, under, you are under a holy culture. Everything's holy. You are under a holy. You, you are in the presence of God. Did you see, do you know how you stand out when you misbehave and everybody's surprised? You know, it's like in certain functions. In certain functions, the way they are so formal, you can't bring other dancings. No more fun we hands and enter one of I lie and say him. Are you there, Basalon? Well, we're not give us about worlds. You know why? Because it's a different culture. When you leave the church and go into the community, you find a different culture. A dumping culture. You find, when you go to the work, sometimes you find a backstabbing culture. People are there with you. They greet, how, how was your weekend? And they are talking with you. When you leave, they say, wow, doesn't he have fashion sense? Backstabbing. The issue is, whatever culture you find yourself in, if you have your conviction, you stay with your conviction. If it's time to pray for your food, you pray for your food. There's a group of people we train with to run. Before we go on a run, we pray. There's many people who don't believe what we believe. It's not about them, it's about us. 
It's not about them. It's about us. Our faith. We're not violating their faith. We're just praying before we go. We're not showing off. It's our conviction. It's our conviction. You must live by your conviction. Even when you are away from your home and you are married, you're not married because your spouse is here. <laughs> you are one in spirit. You're not faithful. You are faithful in their absence as if they are present. So your faithfulness is not territorial. Your faithfulness is extraterrestrial. Even if you are not there, where normal people are, where people who know you are there, you are somewhere else. You are still a husband, your wife of one partner. You're not going to compromise. It's not those who sees you. It's what you believe. The covenant you have. Lawana Blackwell said, Patterning your life around other people's opinion is nothing more than slavery. Sometimes we worry a lot about what people will say around us than what God is saying to us. Amen. Amen. B. When you look at B, Daniel developed a rich prayer life. When Nebuchadnezzar had a dream and could not get an interpretation of his wise dream from his wise men, Daniel was called upon to assist. Daniel didn't come there and speak like a guru and an expert. But he demonstrated his reliance upon God. He prayed to God to get the interpretation for the dream. You know, Joyce Meyer says, spending time with God is the key to our strength and success in all areas of life. Be sure never to try to work God into your schedule, but always work your schedule around him. Yes, yes, I'm going to see in our schedule. And how You are the first to scream. If you started with God, we wouldn't be in the troubles we are in. We wouldn't. Did we ask him if we needed to take that for that route? credit card now we phone. Why? Why? So we fashion in I must have a credit card. Why? 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 You know, Ramona Matumana didn't tour at the We are a phone now. So, what did I mean? When you have it, you want God to maintain it. But did you ask Him if that's what He desires for you? But then God should not be working around our schedule. Imagine God comes to the church, I think, when we read the book of Revelation. He says, I stand at the door, I knock. I knock. Why should God be knocking at your life? 
when you are supposed to be having an open door. If there is a danger, God is no key. He wants to tell you about that danger. You are busy with your things. And some we don't hear. We are preoccupied with many things. We, we, we have become experts to hearing other voices in the world but the voice of God. If But the God who gave you Lomgaku, when he speaks to you, Aonyagaz. Yet you need God to keep that Mgaku. I'm telling you, you can't buy enough flowers and gift to keep your marriage. You can't. You can't. You can't have enough holidays to keep your marriage. You can't have enough dinners that are exotic to be in love. Hey. Digestion is of it. Wait to be married, you'll understand. Daniel chapter 2, verse 12 to 19, it reads, when you read the whole part of it, you will see Daniel prayed. He stopped the king who was intending to kill all the wise men. And he said, King, don't, don't, don't. Let me pick it up in verse 16. Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time that he might tell the king the interpretation. Verse 17. He went to his house and made a decision known to Hanai, Mishael, and Azariah, his companion. And they might seek the mercies from heaven concerning this secret so that Daniel and his companion might not perish. Imagine, Basabad. He prayed. He prayed. Sometimes we don't understand prayer. Charles Spurgeon says, prayer is neither a mere mental exercise, nor it is a vocal performance. It is that deep, it is that trans spiritual transaction with the creator of the heavens and on the earth. But we can only transact with God through prayer. Remind him what he said in his word. Remind him of who we are in our relationship with him. It's a transaction. Mother Teresa says, she says, God shapes the world by prayer. The more praying there is in the world, the better the world will be. And the mightier the forces against evil. See, Daniel showed his total reliance on God. He relied on God. I'd like us to go to Daniel chapter 6, verse 10 and 12. It says, Daniel learned 
that the decree had been published, he went to his home upstairs where the windows were open towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God. This is personal. Just as he had done before. They told him not to pray. To him, he knew that he survived by prayer. He lived by prayer. He succeeded by prayer. He had breakthroughs by prayer. He overcame by prayer. Even when they threatened him and there was a law that anybody who prays to any other God but Darius is going to die. Here he went as usual and prayed to his God. What a friend he had in God. A friend he could trust. A friend who'd never leave him stranded. Is God your God? Or just the God of Christianity? Sometimes Jesus is the savior of the world. General, GLL. But is he your savior? Is it personal to you? Job, when he is in trouble, Uti, I know. My Redeemer liveth. Uti, I know. When you are confused, when you are fearful, do you have a Redeemer? You know at a personal level. Personal. He prayed. Winky Predney says, God does not guide those who want to run their own life. He guides those who admit their need for his direction and rely on his wisdom. When you know your challenges, pride does not help you. You, you can divorce me. You, you. <laughs> no, I can do without you. You can fire me. You can fire me. It's a favor that I'm your friend. We need guidance. We need help. We need God. Our, even our ideas confuse us. Yes, we shy perfume. Attitude. Right. You have tried to look pretty. You are amazing. You are gorgeous. You are stunning. You are a boutique on two feet. You have the etiquette of an ambassador. You have the catwalk. 
But the altar for marriage is at a distance. From a distance, you are watching me. Even our own ways, after titivating, they confuse us. At least Faith, as we read, does not eliminate questions, but faith knows where to take them. That is why you must rely on God. We've got questions in our lives about things we cannot answer, but God knows. As I close, D, Daniel knew that God is a covenant-keeping God. That is why he stuck to prayer. He stuck to prayer. When we read Daniel chapter 10, verse 1, it says, in the third year of King Cyrus, the king of Persia, a revelation was given to Balthazar. Its message was true concerning a great war and an understanding of vision. And at that time, Daniel mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat or wine, nor touched my lips, no lotions at all for three weeks. Look at Daniel Bazalwan. He knew that God keeps covenant. He continued in prayer until he got an answer. Josh McDowell says, knowing that God is faithful, it really helps me to be captive, not to be captivated by worry. Knowing that he will do what he said will cause it to happen. Whatever he has promised, and then it causes me to be less involved in worrying about the situation. If the letters are out, that the retrenchment is coming. God, you have covered my back. If this job is from you and I lose you, you've got to have a better alternative. And I will live to give you praise because you are my God, you are my Father, and you are less worried. Less worried. When they criticize you, you don't criticize them back. He says, God, if there is any wisdom in what they say, help me to learn and be smarter and not to be stressed and disgruntled and not to be teary. People can criticize you for many things. If uting in a weight and in a minyabona nginayo, you are confirming what is there. They didn't say you, you, you can't lose it. They say you have it. And you can tell them, if you want it, I can share. <laughs> Sharing is caring. Sharing is caring. You must learn to trust in God and worry less. Have no worry. Have 
no worry. Carefree attitude. God says, don't worry. Cast your burdens to me. You're already burdened, Basalwan, by thinking you're confusing yourself. You are stressing yourself. You're making yourself to have hypertension. You are adding to your sorrows. You are adding disease after disease. That was not there. You are inviting pain. That was not there. You are adding more to your challenges. If you say, I'm poor and I'm poor, so what? I am poor. At least we know. God can deal with poverty. We start from somewhere, we are going somewhere. If you say, I'm uneducated, if you say, I'm uneducated, we can deal with it. We can find money to enroll and change the circumstance. And we will see after we have education, what will be on your agenda to talk. So I want to go to If you say I'm single and stressed, we can deal with it. But we will debate your stress because how do you know my emotions? Do you have emotional idometer? Where you can measure the levels of my emotions. We can deal with it. Why do we worry? When God is on the throne, who never sleeps nor slumber? Go to sleep at night. Let him deal with it. He's awake. He's awake. Let him deal with the challenges that are bigger than you. He's an awesome God. He's almighty. Relax, chill. You might not afford their lawyers. You have the Holy Spirit who's the advocate. Holy Spirit, foggy confusion. But this case has been postponed for a long time. But in traffic, case dismissed. Next, next, next. Points of our welfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of stronghold. That is the weapon. We do not fight against flesh and blood. We fight against principalities. We fight against powers. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hand of the Lord. Whoever touches you, touches the Lord. You are the apple of God's eye. You are a royal priesthood. You are a peculiar person. They can't confirm you. You are like the wind. You are seated with Christ in heavenly places. They don't know who you are. You are a child of the most high God. You are awesome. You are remarkable. You are incredible. You are outstanding. For you are fearfully. You are wonderfully made. You are the child of heaven. God is your father. He does not make junk. Whatever he makes, it is good. You are good. You are awesome. You are remarkable. You are talented. You are anointed. That's who you are. Father, we thank you for your word.
for you are an amazing God. You are a remarkable God. We are created in your image. We are remarkable. We are awesome. Your awesomeness. Father, as we gaze into your awesomeness, as we gaze into your wonder, we see what you have made us, oh God. Help us to reach our remarkableness in every area of our lives, oh God. Help us not to downgrade ourselves when you have washed us, taken all our sins, put a robe of righteousness upon us. We want to thank you for who you are. That we are a royal priesthood, we are peculiar people. We are outstanding individuals. We have your name. We have your badge of honor. We want to love you and appreciate you. In business, in life, in family, in education, in society, we will be awesome for you, God. We will be awesome that your name may be glorified. We will be the lights. We will be the head and not the tail. We will be above only and never beneath. We receive your blessing, oh God, to be remarkable in the name of Jesus. Devil, you are a liar. You can't spoil what God has created. You can't curse what God has blessed. We are awesomely blessed. We are remarkably blessed. We are highly favored, oh God. We love you, Lord. We bless you. Oh God, help us to celebrate our remarkableness in you. Let us not belittle what you have made great. Let us not look down on the work of the cross. Oh, we thank you for the cross. We thank you, Jesus. As we have our eyes closed, every head bowed in the presence of God. Maybe you are coming here for the first time. You have not given your life to Jesus. Jesus loves you so much. He wants your life to be extraordinary. Maybe you are running away from God. You thought God was your enemy. You said God was the source of your problem. The devil is a liar. The devil is the source of your problem. But if you want to turn around in your life, you say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to give my life to God. And you want me to pray for you. Could you kindly raise your hand wherever you are seated or wherever you are standing? Let me see that hand and I'll pray for you. Anybody in this place? Anybody in this place? Anybody in this place? You want to give your life to God? Just raise your hand wherever you are. God bless you this side. I see a hand this side. Anybody else? God bless you, my brother. God bless you, young person. God bless you here. Anybody else? Anybody else? I don't want to close you out. I want to pray for you. Anybody else? God bless you, my sister here. Keep that hand up. God bless you. Anybody else? God bless you at the back. Anybody else? God bless you at the back. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I'm going to ask all the people who have raised their hands and you want me to pray with you and you mean business about that. Could you kindly stand and drop your hand and come all the way to the front so that I can pray for you? Take your Bibles, your belongings. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. Just come all the way from wherever you are seated and let me pray for you.